Welcome to Healing Wisdom, a Thursday morning talk show featuring guests sharing their stories and knowledge. We discuss the healing aspects of the arts, metaphysics, social justice, and adventure through all types of terrain. So join me, Pandora Peoples, here on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown and WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. We're streaming worldwide at WOMR.org. As a percussionist, composer, and producer, his work appears in films, ads, and dance performances. His synesthesia has propelled him to work on interdisciplinary projects with visual and performing artists. Music is a full-body experience for him, with sounds often invoking involuntary sensations of color, texture, or even taste. Social justice and healing and music have always been intertwined for Loida. Julian Loida plays and composes for multidisciplinary performances like Recital of Dedication. Yeah, it's something that I started um, doing in undergrad. It was really the first form of original work that I did, but it was really kind of collage work. And you have to imagine that I'm in the middle of Indiana State and Indiana University, which is a fairly sort of I, at the time, I didn't realize it, but now I sort of see it as a pretty conservative, um, sort of down the middle road of a music school. Um, there was contemporary music and stuff, but it wasn't it wasn't like what I experienced on the coasts or the East Coast and stuff like that. Um, and 
it was not a, <laughs> I guess all to say, it wasn't received greatly there. Um, but, you know, when I would send it out to people on the coast, like even the principal percussionist of the New York Philharmonic, um, different percussionists in the New York Philharmonic, they were just like, whoa. And I got on their radar. But, at, you know, in Indiana, it was like, what? what is this? Um, but essentially in high school, even, I just, I would go to the library and rent um, different, you know, kind of random things. And in doing that, I stumbled upon, you know, interviews with Miles Davis. I stumbled upon a CD of Martin Luther King speeches. And I would listen to them in the car. And, and I just always kind of imagined something, you know, I, I started tapping my finger to Martin Luther King speeches. And I found um, this pulse, this rhythm. And I started to think about speech being rhythm in a really literal way. Um, and that eventually when I had to put on a junior recital, I kind of had my first moment of throwing paint at the wall of being like, screw everything I've learned. Or actually at that point I was, you know, using what I learned, but injecting my own intensity of like, I need to express something. And I can't say it, but these people did, you know, and started to come up with these collage pieces of melding together these two works. Oftentimes were sort of works that you would hear on a recital for a classical percussion major, if not a, 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 a tuition, she's not tuition, a um, audition, <laughs> an audition for an orchestra or whatever it is, or a summer festival. And I was like, how can we make these works culturally relevant, historically relevant, uh, social justicely relevant? And so I started injecting them with these, you know, interviews. Um, and I, my first round I did of them for my undergrad, um, and particularly the Martin Luther King speech paired with a Joseph Tompkins solo. And Joseph Tompkins is a more contemporary percussionist from New York City who made a uh, etudes for the snare drum that are really have a lot of what we call like asymmetrical rhythms. Like they, he divides the beat into fives and sevens and, and syncopates even within that. And when it gets so syncopated, it to me sounded like speech. And so I just kind of randomly paired them like in this kind of way of like, Hey, let's put these together. And they, they matched in these really, depending on it, especially where I started in the solo and in the speeches, they actually like, matched um really beautifully together and it, and there's no click to martin luther king he truly spoke at like 62 63 beats per minute and it's just it was just kind of something that um i won't say i'm the first person to figure that out by any means but to do it in that way in that field and and stuff that i opened that door to you know these upper level musicians that i mentioned earlier that they didn't you know they were just like whoa this is wild um and it's a really important part of my story, honestly, and my my start. And, you know, this was back in 2013 or so. Um, I grew up in St. Louis. So it was around the time um, when a lot of racial justice and reckoning was going on in St. Louis. And I was working on it before then, but then that happened and it kind of validated what I was thinking or, or doing. But it's interesting now because since... Uh, COVID times and, and George Floyd's murder and stuff that now all the artists are into like combining social justice and their music and, you know, making that relevant. Um, 
and it's a little funny. I mean, there's a lot of people who've been doing it as well for a long time, but in the classical music scene and the classical percussion scene, I hadn't seen it and I was doing it then and it wasn't well received by people, you know, to be honest with you. Um, but it was honestly well received by people in the sort of minorities that I was re representing a lot of times. So that's kind of interesting. Um, but yeah, I really love doing multimedia interdisciplinary work and that kind of led into working actually with just painters, um, actually with just dancers. It, it moved away from sort of the media and then moved into collaborators and started the human to human collaboration. Actually, as I'm seeing, it's like a perfect segue into some of your other questions, but it started to lead into what would it be like to work with a poet, um, with actors, with dancers, choreographers and stuff like that. And um, that's something I've been doing probably for longer uh, now and, and loved. How do you experience anesthesia? What is it and how has it inspired your interdisciplinary approach to music? Synesthesia is like a, a, a extra connection of your of your brain and sensory um, your senses. So when we talk about like anesthesia, it's like a cutting off of your senses in a sense. But synesthesia is a connection of them. Um, for me, I think I just always sort of maybe not always, but I remember being a little kid and just looking into light and closing my eyes and hearing the music in a, in like church or whatever. And just kind of having this, like what then when I saw like screensavers on a TV, I was like, oh, or on a computer, I was like, man, I've, that feels like the inside of my brain. It was kind of like I was talking to someone who has synesthesia and for me, like has more synesthesia than me. And it is a spectrum um, of which, you know, you can be on. And they were like, you have synesthesia. I was like, no, no, I don't, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, no, I'm pretty sure you have synesthesia. As I was just talking about the way I listen to music and stuff. And that was kind of my first real experience with it. Um, I And I still do. I, I kind of stopped always bringing it up on stage or to people because I feel like the word, people kind of get hung up on the word and people even get hung up on like saying you're a thing. And, and sometimes I don't always even want to put myself in the box of synesthesia in a sense, because I, I think it's something that we all kind of experience. Um, it is something that at least MIT professors have said, all babies are born with and as our, our sort of brain kind of comes together, that it's something we also kind of gets taught out of us. You know, we learn that like apples are red and blah, blah, you know, but you know, why, why can't honey sound like a C major chord? You know, or why can't a C major chord taste like honey and things like that? And and you can ask all these questions where you combine the senses. And that's kind of what someone with synesthesia just experiences. And for me, I feel open to, um, I feel open to that. I feel open to my tongue feeling something when I play a chord of a certain kind of cluster or something like that. And in doing that, then you start to kind of ask questions. And I, I think approaching people with this kind of the concept of that and and then at, you know adding a word later if they're interested um but i think it's something people can access in their themselves and to just open themselves up to and it, and just in opening that up i think it it opens up empathy it opens up you know the fact that i think one of the great lessons of synesthesia is that it reminds us that everybody literally sees the world differently Everyone sees colors differently. Everyone experiences the world differently. 
every single person who has ever walked this planet or or been on this planet has been different than the everyone else and it you know it kind of goes down to the snowflake thing but i think it's a beautiful reminder of that and i think it does make us all special special and therefore in the fact that we're all different i think there's something that connects us there and i think that's a great empathy point too and a a very powerful thing um is to is to connect over that and to be reminded of that i think so often we're kind of tried to be cookie cutter you know we sit in these rows in school you know we get numbers we're social security numbers and all this stuff and you know there's reasons for all that i get it but it's it's kind of nice to be reminded of like hey kind of rip all of that away and be like hey we're this there's a this thing is really organic <laughs> this whole thing is you know organic from beginning to end um and i think i think it can just kind of re revitalize like you know just your reconnect you to yourself and to the to humanity and everybody and everything you know so um i think that's for me one of the great lessons of synesthesia and and one of the reasons as i learn more about it too and different people's experience that that's one of the reasons why i also want to continue to talk about it and, and bring it up or you know start to suggest it and, and start to kind of open people up to this thing that many people have and they just don't know it how do you compose music yeah you know i i a lot of the the rhythms and the the drumming that i learned really seeped into me and transcribed a lot and and played and talked to friends as well and performed and things whole journey but at some point i you know i was coming home and I, there was a vibraphone and you know i had roommates so it was like in grad school and just out of grad school and i was super stressful in boston like this this kind of the only way i, I remember it and riding the train and, you know, walking dogs for like $25 an hour and walking three dogs. So you made like $75 an hour and, you know, two and a half hours each way to do this twice a week. Just really kind of not, a, not what I necessarily thought I'd be doing out of like with a master's degree in classical percussion. But if you think about it, it kind of makes perfect sense. <laughs> but, you know, just being really kind of stressed out, the train absorbing so many people's anxieties on the train and all this stuff or in the bus and, and I would come home and it was just kind of a self-soothing thing. I would just kind of, my hands would go to the vibraphone with the mallets and it would play something and it would soothe me. And, and I would just be alone in the apartment because if I, if my friends were around, they'd just make fun of me, but um, you know, and I, and those pieces, I guess, became pieces, but I didn't know that. And as I started to share them, as I started to get the idea of like, Hey, I could release an album of original music, like, cause I was in a band where we were doing that. And I saw like, I could do this individually as well. And I want to put something with my own name on it um, for as hard as I work to you know, be a musician and get music out there. And, and it was just kind of a crazy idea and I got some support. And then I got a producer who's Maeve Gilchrist, who's unbelievable. And her career has just blown up even more since then, which was, I feel really lucky to have gotten to work with her. And she, you know, hear the music in what were just voice memos of me playing the vibraphone and her understanding, you know, where that could go and what it could be and creating so much shape and just really, you know, it's so vital what she did. Um, and the chance, you know, she gave me and stuff like that and who I met in that process. So 
And then, you know, made the album, I heard it back when we were recording and I started to realize that what I was doing was music. And, and then that just, you know, I have this whole entrepreneurial arm and, and experience and studies that, you know, I turned on for that. And that's kind of what I've been doing since for me, uh, you know, I had composition teachers who were like, you need to wake up and write every day. It's a, it's a practice. It's a blah, blah, blah. I agree with that. But I also think that everyone writes differently. I tend to struggle to write it unless I need, have a reason to, unless there's something that I'm working through or, or that it, it comes out. I don't always feel like I sit down to write though. That, that can work too. Um, but I feel like I, I could always just write notes on a page and a lot of the music I hear, especially in more sort of classical music or whatever, it just sounds like notes on a page. It doesn't I don't hear any soul behind it. I don't hear any intention and sure I could write a bunch of notes on the page. I could write licks or blah, blah, blah. And like you can do that, but why for what? And for me, this music, it's not just instrumental music. There's, there's stories that are going on. Um, there's whole, you know, there's a whole feeling, there's a whole wave of energy that comes from me into those pieces and then what, why those pieces were written. And for me, that's what makes it feel like wordless poetry at times of like, is that there, there is, <laughs> it's not just like notes there for no reason. It's improvised in a way that for me, like Jackson Pollock would maybe drop paint or any sort of painter would improvise, um, you know, a, a painting and put that up. They, you know, they might improvise a hundred pieces and choose one to five that they're like, these are it. You know, that's, that's to me where I come from at it more than being like, well, I need this a seven chord to resolve back down to the ton. You know, like I, I don't give a shit about that. You know, it's really about what am I creating textually? What am I, what am I saying? What am I trying to convey? What, what needs to get out of me? You know? Um, and I would say lastly too, is that, you know, it was, it's really just an example of when you make something for yourself, you're maybe making it for everybody, or you're making it for more people than if you're trying to make it for the masses. And that was kind of done by accident. But for me, it's really music that moves me. And it's so special when I hear people listen to it and experience it, say back to me exactly what I am feeling or with the whole point of the, of me doing it and sharing it and why I made it for myself. They're just saying it right back to me and oftentimes more I'm like wow that's that's lucky <laughs> your internationally acclaimed album Giverny blends neoclassical improvised piano compositions with strings voice vibraphone and percussion it's named after impressionistic painter Claude Monet's home which he painted many times in his later life and included a lot of images of his estate and its water lilies. Does this album feel like coming home? You know, it's so funny you say that. I, I, I feel like if only you had been there for my marketing campaign. <laughs> um, I, that's that's like the most concise way to put it. I, and I don't know if I even had words for it until you say that, like, because that is how I feel. I mean, those those pieces, um, feel so comfortable to me they do feel like home they do feel um yeah that they just you know it just felt like something that just kind of came out and even the eric satie cover in it it feels it feels like something that a part of what you know in another lifetime i i would write or something or something like that like it that music and and 
the sort of French aesthetic and, um, you know, we, the producer, Charlie Van Kirk and I really, I think, try to make music that we love and, and to share that and to do something that is very, you know, something he said a lot too, which is funny you said that is he's like, we need to make from the first demos and stuff was like, we need more Julian. We need to inject this whole album with more Julian. And that's when I started sending the vocal stuff to him. That's when I, you know, filled my car up with my vibraphone, which is really a piano based album, but vibraphone, all this different percussion stuff. And, you know, we, I would play synth bass on it and just injected it with me. I would play the, uh, synthesizer stuff and, and Charlie would play some stuff on it too. Um, and, and we brought in some different guests to fill it out as well, but it really is a me album, like you said. And it is funny that pre, uh, piano is on the base of it, but you know, I love to remind people the piano is a percussion instrument. And so it's, you know, finding your voice on these instruments um, and, and blasting that out and being really subtle and really restrained. I think there's a lot of restraint in the album too. Um, and a lot of space and, um, in terms of performing it live too, it's really fun because I just find when I start playing with other musicians, people I've never, you know, even had shared a word with, they're just, you know, in the room or something that they find they, it just, they feel so pulled into, to engage with the music. There's so much space for them as well as for the music to sit by, you know, strong as itself. Um, does working with an orchestra or symphony intensify how your senses respond to or interpret music? I mean, it sounds kind of goofy, but when I was growing up, I always really related to like the X-Men and it feels somewhat in line with that of like, you know, I remember like the Cyclops guy or whatever, like he would open his eyes and this thing would flash out and he had no control. And then he had to learn how to like, use it for good or whatever or whatever the main doctor guy who like could read other people's thoughts or feel the world's vibration like that thing i'm like yeah i feel you dude you know um and basically like all those like kids like born and there's like these hypersensitivities to me and then they like all find each other or whatever and then they like learn how to grapple with it and then use it for good like that's kind of my goal <laughs> is you know what is this thing it's really hard to explain a lot of times people just think it's like, Oh, you're just talking about using drugs. And it's like, no, I've never used drugs in my life. I'm not against anyone doing that, but it, it's not, I don't know what that's like, but that's not how I get there. <laughs> this is a, this is just like how my brain works or whatever. And I think also that, you know, I've spent a lot of time questioning, like, do I even have this thing? Like, I, I don't know. Just like I question myself a lot about it. And as I study it more, though, the more I feel like, no, this is like, you know, I so relate to all this stuff. Um, and just the fact that it's a spectrum, there's such a wide variety of experiences of synesthesia. I, I encourage people to research on it. And I think what you'll find, too, I mean, more in the last few years, you see more. But it's just a very understudied thing, too. You know, it's so for me, like different keys have different colors and feelings and, and different things bring bring stuff out. I think the real way that it affected my composition or creating is that I was trying to find notes played at the certain time and in relationship to other notes that it fulfilled the sort of visual thing that I had in my mind that I was like, oh, that's not the right note. This is the right note at the right time. And oh, and this 
playing this way is creating this swirl thing and like that's what i'm that's what i'm seeing in my head that i'm trying to make music to and stuff like that um i would say pretty much all my music has a direct relation to a visual thing and and i think working with dancers sometimes like they're visual they're creating body corporal art to the sort of movement that i feel in my head about the music and um they're bringing real life to that and that's why working with live painters too like even though it's not my experience and i could never kind of take that out of my head that it's it's an experience of what i relate to of that sort of ecstatic movement improvised but not skilled but loose thing um that i i feel like is the energy of what um you know i'm the sort of genesis of the energy that i am feeling to to do what i do and and where i try to tap into when i'm going to begin doing that um yeah i think i said the different keys of different colors and stuff like that um you know it, i think it's also a way of kind of explaining the music or working with collaborators of um just kind of getting getting the story to them and getting these places go off of in, in classical music it often like people would make fun of the conductors especially in percussion because nobody knows anything about percussion and you know like i remember there was always this joke everyone always talked about oh yeah and then this conductor was like could you make that that symbol crash more orange and we would always you know oh that's so stupid he doesn't know he's talking about whatever and as i kind of like found myself i was like actually that dude totally knew what he was talking about <laughs> And stuff like that. But I don't know if I would say that in front of a group of musicians, like especially classical musicians. But, um, you know, when you work with the right artists that feel you and stuff, like you can get to that space. And even if they don't know exactly, like they can interpret that the way that they do. And I think it just is a way, it's a lens. To me, it feels like putting on those kaleidoscope glasses. Like it's a way to see the world and everyone can see it differently within that lens. But it's a way to like, get into something and i'd much rather enter that way than to enter like we gotta do this like 11 8 bar and then like go to this and then do an atonal thing and then come back like or whatever get technical for me the technicalness um is only to serve the um the expression We've been speaking with composer, musician, and vocalist Julian Loida. His new album, Giverny. Thank you.
You've been listening to Healing Wisdom at Outermost Radio. All of our shows are podcasts at WOMR.org. Also check out HealingWisdomRadioShow.com and contact me at Pandora at WOMR.org. 